Father, once again, we, we, uh, we acknowledge your authority. We submit to you and the authority of your word and the leading of the Holy Spirit, Father, to, to expound to us, to, to lead us into all the truth that is contained in the, in the word of God. And we pray, Father, that uh, you will touch every part of, our, of us, Lord, our emotion, our minds, our, our hearts, everything, Lord, that we may respond to your word. This we pray in Jesus' name. All right, let's uh, go to uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. We're going to read Acts chapter 2, start from verse 37. This is uh, the... Uh, story of the day of Pentecost, the, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and then all kinds of things happened, and then, and then people were, were asking questions, what the heck is going on here? And then people stood up, uh, Peter uh, took the lead, he stood up and, and preached, probably a yeah, powerful sermon, and then as a response to, to his preaching, this is what happened in, in the verse 37. Now when they heard this, the sermon Peter preached, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We've been been uh, going through the series on on uh, the truth, and this is just recapping last week, and uh, you know different uh, different aspect of the truth. Uh, we've talked about prevailing truth, and we've talked about Jesus as the person who embodies the truth, and Jesus as uh, the prevailing word of truth, and then also that the disciples as the people of the truth. That, you know, in, in John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, he said, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You, you can sort of circle that word, if. In other words, not every believer is a disciple. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, from just that little verse there, I can I can see that 
the mark of the disciples of Jesus is abiding in the word of God. And from the abiding of the word of God, then they will know the truth. And the result of that is freedom. If you get that. Being a disciple, abiding in the word of God, know the truth, and a life of freedom. That's powerful. In other words, if you really are true disciples of Jesus, now I'm not talking about living an easy life. There will always be confrontation with life. That's just life. But God wants us to be conquerors, to walk free. And, uh, but there are conditions. If you abide in his words, you will know the truth because it is the truth that will set you free. And so important in the, is this truth, you know, I mentioned a, a few weeks ago, that Jesus, in his prayer for his disciples before his de departure, he prayed for them. And he said, I'm not going to be in, you know, I'm not going to be with them in the world. While I was in the world, I protected them. And in John chapter 17, verse 31, Jesus said, oh, sorry, John, John 17, verse 17, Jesus said, sanctify them or set them apart in your truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus realized he's not going to be with them to teach them to do all those things. He entrusts the Holy Spirit that will lead them into all the truth. So he said, I trust that the truth is enough to keep them. That's powerful. He trusts so much that in my absence, the truth will be enough to, uh, to, to keep them. So when Jesus, he was raised from the dead, before his ascension, going, you know, being lifted up into the heavens, his last, uh, last message to, to his disciples were, go into all the nations, like I said a couple of weeks ago, not to make converts, but to make disciples. He said, go into all the worlds and make disciples. And he defined what making disciples is. Teach them, teach them to observe everything with the implication to observe and obey. Everything I have taught you. So that's, what is it? The truth that Jesus taught the disciples. So let, let's go back to the passage, looking at the, the context of the passage. Like I said before, Jesus promised the disciples the Holy Spirit will come. And on the day of Pentecost, when they were celebrating the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And uh, now here's the thing. If you look at the, the, the situation here, that day, we all know, is the birth of the New Testament church, the creation of the New Testament church. I believe it's like that is the beginning of the new creation. The, the reality of the new creation. I want to, I want us to, to actually pay close attention to the, the pattern here of creation. Remember our priest last week concerning the, the, the first creation in the book of Genesis. God was there, the spirit of God was there. Okay, the spirit, it says that the spirit of God uh, hovered over the the face of the deep, or, or, or some translation said, over the water. So God was there, the Spirit of God was there, 
But nothing happened until what? Until the word of God was released, proceeded out of the mouth of God. And then things started to happen. Right here, the same thing happened. In the second creation, God was there. He poured out His Spirit. Yeah, there was phenomena. There was everything happened. You know, people speaking tongues and all those things. But nobody got saved. The church was not created yet. Nothing happened. As a matter of fact, the phenomena almost to the point that nearly discredited the disciples because people said, oh, these guys were drunk. Until when? Until the Word of God was preached by, by Peter. And then when he preached the Word of God, it is the response of the people to the truth that people were saved and the church was birthed. Now my, my, the title, title of my message this morning is Truth Demands a Response. It requires an honest, a genuine, and a tangible response. So let's look at, in, uh, in, in our passage, what kind of response. Okay, so when Peter preached, it says that in verse uh, 37, they were cut to the heart. That's not a response, that's just a feeling. <laughs> Many people are moved by sermons and by the move of God, but as I said, a true response is honest, genuine, and tangible. If it's not tangible, it's not a response. So they, they were like cut to the heart. It's like, oh wow. But that is not a response. It's just a feeling. Feelings alone won't do it. It's not enough. It doesn't change you. You could feel something now and you walk away and do whatever you want to do. And then the next, the next thing happened is what I believe is the first response. They asked Peter what and the, the apostles in, uh, in verse 37. The question, what must we do? And of course Peter said, believe, baptize, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the next thing is, the question, what must we do? And then they took action. They believed, they were baptized, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The next thing that's very important, this is where the discipleship happened. It says, this is when it becomes serious. It says, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. I believe this is, this is, a complete package of Christianity and discipleship. Now, yeah, absolutely, the truth of God, the Spirit of God will move in our hearts, but there has to be a genuine, humble, a sincere, and tangible response on our, on our part to take action. Without that, you know, we, we just live, and unfortunately, many people in the world, including Christians, live their lives according to how they feel about this and how they feel about that and 
so much so that then to the point that we we define the truth according to our feel even our feelings even we try to define God according to our feelings not according to what is true I'd like to do a series on on knowing God you know as a matter of fact I started it last 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 uh, Sunday but we'll talk about it in the next few weeks and uh, we we are so ruled by, by and that's why you know the world is like you know let's let's pursue happiness but not led by the holy by, by the by the truth so uh, I think the idea of you know many Christians as I said including Christians we are so much led by our feelings that that they carry you know they, they come to church sing the same song get excited about the, the music and all those things and walk away from the church exactly the same person as them when they first come in scary I believe the truth of the Word of God must must have such an impact that it changes our lives I'm gonna say this I mean I know this might be a strong statement but you know, uh, Paul was describing in, uh, in, in his epistle to Timothy, he said, in the last days there will be people who, in 1 in, uh, first, uh, Timothy chapter 2, I believe, when he said, in the last days there will be people, difficulty, difficult times will come, and people, lovers of money, lovers of self, haters of God, and all those things. And then he said, having the form of godliness but have denied the power thereof it's very easy for us as christians because we're culturalized or whatever you're cultured or whatever uh, that we have the form but there's no power i'm not talking about the power of there yeah that's that's the power but the power in your life that changed your life completely that's kind of power that that will make the gospel it makes sense. Now here's the thing. I want to ask a question. If the truth of God doesn't change our lives now, what makes us think that the truth, like if, if there's no impact in, in my life now, what makes me think it has the power to take me to heaven? That's a good question, isn't it? <laughs> If the Word of God does not have power to break the pattern of sin in our lives, will it, will it have the power to take us to heaven? <laughs> yeah. I think the, the extent of the power of God operating in our lives is subject to the extent of our surrendering to the truth of the Word of God. And we, like I said, instead of, oh, I feel like this, no, no, what, what does the Word of God say? There are times where, yeah, we all go through life, I'll go through things where my feelings would, if I just follow my feelings, I would go crazy. But guess what? I commit myself. And like 
like the 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 the, the, the believers in the book of Acts, I devote myself, not just the reading of the Word of God, but devote myself to allow the Word of God, the truth, to dictate everything that I do, even dictating my feelings. Because I want the Word of God, and I believe, and it has worked in my life, and I've seen work in many people's lives, and changed their lives, and has taken... The Word of God has take, taken many people through the tough time, the truth taken them through some tough time and they come out the other, the other end. There are many stories of people by submitting to the truth and they, they are people who are free. Dai and I, we were, we were doing DMS uh, even yesterday. Fantastic worship, fantastic. I enjoyed, you know, like one of those rare, rare moments when I just enjoy the presence of God. I haven't led worship in a serious way for so many years, but as I was playing keyboards and I was just worshiping God, it was powerful. But then when we started to talk about the Word of God, I started to teach. It was amazing. She did everything in Indonesian. <laughs> it, was, it was great. She preached and she did everything in Indonesian, and then after that, of course, with the DMS, we uh, they all broke up into different groups and all that, and then they came back, and we we uh, heard feedback from from them last night, and to see people responding to the truth through DMS, that the discipleship ministry school. Yes, they had the feelings and all those things. Imagine if they. Like, you know, if they, like, oh, I felt so moved by God, and life goes as usual, it's business as usual. Imagine if that happens, like, well, we just wasted our time. But we heard back, people had to, to forgive their, their moms, their dads, their mothers-in-laws, their in-laws and the outlaws and whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. It's almost like the, the, the Word of God, the truth, was delivered in such a way with the power of the Spirit of God. People responded. So I believe this is what church is supposed to be. It's almost like at this situation with COVID-19 where, where it gives us so much time to really look into the Word of God and deliver it. We realize, okay, this is what church is supposed to be. We're going to make disciples. So guess what? Dai and I... We decided, and Carvin and, and Byrne, and uh, we, as leaders, we decided we, as much as possible, we want to facilitate an atmosphere of the Word of God being presented any way, shape, or form, like as much as possible. Why? Because in doing that, we're going to provide an opportunity for you guys to respond to the truth and be set free as much as possible opportunity I think that's if we do that well we're doing a job like a few weeks ago I said listen if Jesus trusts so much to the truth of the Word of God I think the least I could do is to trust the same power and to submit to the same power and I invite you all to submit to the same power the power of the Word of God amen come on it's a new day. It's time to let the Word of God 
create something in us, the new creation of God. Let's all sing. Lord, I give you my heart. Thank you, Jesus.